and welcome to the Fizzle Show. <laughs> Thanks, Angela Moore. Uh, this is the Fizzle Show, and what we're about here is, well, I guess here, I'll let Angela continue. Fizzle has two different definitions. One is to fail in a disappointing way. Another is to pop and crack with energy and excitement. These guys are going to tell you about how to do the latter so that you don't do the former. And they're crazy, but you've got to love them anyway. <laughs> In this episode, on the show today, 23 tips to uncover what to do with your life when you have no clue. If you've ever wondered, what am I good at or what should I focus on in my life? Then we've got a really great conversation for you. We received a great little email from a listener called Tim Ayton, and we spent the whole hour of this episode sharing, uh, sharing. we each put together lists, and we brought our lists, and it ended up being 23 things. New people love numbers and headlines, so 23 tips to uncover the best options for your life, even if you're, uh, you, you currently have no clue. If you're worried or frustrated and you're confused, you're not alone. Let's talk about what to do next. Your hosts are, uh, well, here, Angela, take it away. Let me introduce you to your guests. If these guys were chain restaurants, Barrett would be TGI Fridays. Because let's face it, you can never have too much flair. Corbett would be Applebee's. Classic. Everybody knows them and everybody feels comfortable hanging out. And Chase would be Texas Roadhouse because everybody needs a good yee-haw every now and again. You can follow along at home at fizzleshow.co slash 96. So let's get into it. All right, you guys uh, you guys ready on this? You got some lists prepared? You got uh-huh. some stuff? I got some stuff. <laughs> I just love, I just love that. Oh, I have got some lists. Let me you want to talk about lists. Let me tell you. Um, so uh, in this show today, what I want to do is we got this great this great email from Tim, and Tim actually it was great. He sent me this email, and he was like, uh, "Just FYI, this is the third version of the email that I've written to you, and I haven't sent the other ones because I've just chickened out." So what I did is I and he's, and he's like, "Here's my question, and here's the other two <laughs> versions of this, just for posterity's sake." I thought you'd find it funny, so I took pe- I took pieces from from all of those and and kind of put it together into one thing. That's the question that I want to answer on the show today. So. If you guys are into it, do you want me just to jump in, or should we, you know, banter a bit? Uh, I'm into it. Let's jump in. Jump Let's jump right in. in. Hey guys, I'm Tim, former Fizzler, hopefully soon to be one again. I'm an avid follower of the podcast, and episode 77, How to Learn New Skills, really spoke to me. I realize that I'm not an expert at anything yet. Heck, I'm still in college. Here's the deal. Number one, too many of my sentences start with I. And number two, I don't know what I should spend the next year or two focusing on to eventually become an expert in and later to build a product or service in. So I guess my question is, how do I know what I'm good at? It's not obvious to me because the thing, things people are, are interested in learning from me, I don't think are special. Does that make sense? So how do I figure out what that thing is exactly? There, there may be skills that I have that would be good for a blog or podcast or an ebook or whatever, but I can't see them. And I've tried so many things only to find out that three posts in, it's just not for me. When I ask friends and family, they can nail it. They can't nail it on the head either. Uh, you know, uh, you're, you're good at like, I don't know, computer stuff. And I have the willingness to write and the dream of a thriving audience. But how do I find what that thing is? You're the best. Love, Tim. 
Uh, I like this question a lot from Tim. I mean, he's like he said, he's still in college. It's this young thing uh, that, like, similar to our last episode, we got a question from someone who is in college. Like, what are the three most important things I should do uh, just after college as it relates to, like, becoming one of these entrepreneurs? And I like this because it sounds like we've got some listeners in this crew. And like we, like we all got into last time, like, boy, do I ever wish I had... I was thinking about this stuff at that time. Yeah. You know, so I, I feel like there's a lot that we can, we can help Tim with and anybody else in that world. But also beyond that, it's this question of like what, what to do with the rest of your life. And I'm 32 years old. I'm still young and I still have this question to ask. You know, we're in the, we're at the helm of a, of a good business, but we still have all these challenges to solve and all of the stuff to work through and all of the questions of who am I and what am I here for? You know, and that's the same thing with all of our friends. I talked to really, really wonderful, amazing, cool people who are, who have already built great businesses, you know, and they're still asking, like, I don't know what I'm going to do when I grow up. You know, I don't know if this is this is all the way yet because we don't kind of kind of don't believe in our own success. We don't know about this path, and we're all wanting kind of. I think what Tim wants here, this like this path, this like I want, I I want to know if I'm doing a good job or not. I like. I want to know what's that. I like this because it's a it's kind of a follow up to uh, I think that the advice that we ended on last time was well, just get good at something. Right, that's kind of the key to unlocking. Yeah value in life and being able to live the life you want is to to make yourself as valuable as you can and you do that by getting good at something by learning something um and this also i feel like is if i had to guess this might be the number one question we get from people in general um and one of the things that fizzle members struggle most with is just trying to figure out what do i dive into and there's this like fear that if i dive into something i'm missing out on other things right or that I'm making the wrong decision or something. Yeah. Um, so there's a whole lot of really juicy stuff to talk about on this one. Yeah, I think so. Um, so what I've asked you guys to do is kind of prepare like a handful of things uh, that you want to talk about. I've prepared a bunch and I probably have, too much. I, I came up with uh, two handfuls. Do you have two handfuls? Yeah. I have. I have. I have a. Yeah. I have about that. Maybe a little bit more. Okay. Um, and. Why, why is this the one, one top question that we get? Because it's the one where everybody starts here. Do you know what I mean? It's like, wait, what am I going to make my business on? I saw someone that post some, some quote like, being passionate is cool. Wanting to be a founder of a company is not cool. Being passionate about a thing that you're building is cool and, and the problem that you're solving. And so the idea here being like, yeah, like Tim wants to start a business. He's got this like, I know I want to try to do this. And yet, like the point of, I, I came to this point a long time ago where, where it was like, the whole point of building a business is to is to put a dent in some problem that you that you really love. For example, right now I was just watching Amy Poehler. I just read her her book, uh, Yes Please, and it was great. It was funny. It was charming. It was smart. It was interesting. And um, in the audiobook, she actually reads it and has like people come into the studio with her, like Patrick Stewart and uh, I don't know other people. It was it was a great little uh, great little thing. And she mentioned this thing I didn't even know she was doing this YouTube channel called uh, like Smart Girls at the Party. Where she gets like sixteen year old girls who are like boxers or hip hop dancers or YouTubers or whatever, and she just interviews them with a handful with a couple other comedians, and they make it really fun, and it's all just to like you know promote the idea that like smart girls have more fun, 
you know, instead of like the other kind of cultural norm about like girls with boobs have more fun or whatever it is, right? They, I think all girls have them actually. Yeah, all girls have uh, have have anyway more fun. Keep going. Or, <laughs> yes, they have them fun. Yeah, but uh, the 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 point being, like, that's a mission for her. That's a that's a thing. That's a thing to to put a dent in and a problem to solve. And a lot of us are are wondering, like, and not that we're like want to start like charity water from scratch or something. Certainly not what we're doing here at Fizzle. But Tim's question, his words are so poignant. Like, what is that thing that that I could be good at? And so I guess hopefully with these with, with these uh, with these points, I haven't seen your guys. You haven't seen mine. Hopefully with these, we get to uh, put a little bit of a dent in that and probably come up with a lot of things to do or to explore. Yeah, you know, it's not like we can we can't solve anybody's I problem. Think, I mean, this is yeah. And I I would just hope that of these, we're going to give like tips basically for people to figure out what they're good at or what they should become good yeah. at or whatever. And yeah. I would just hope that of this list of tips, one or two or three of these techniques or views on how to figure this out resonate with people and then they can mm-hmm. run off and, and do some exercises based around that. Or maybe they'll just see things in a new way and, and it'll help them to break through some, some new ground. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. Okay, so uh, without any further ado, let's just jump in. Let's start seeing how many of these we can go through. So, uh, Barrett, you've been awful quiet over there. Why don't you start us out? Oh, man. Thanks. Oh, man. <laughs> well, I think uh, one of the first things, and this, I was thinking it only applied to college students, but I actually think it applies to anyone. A lot of times we get put on this path and we get um, pigeonholed into something, especially once you start a career in something like consulting or mm. whatever, where I came from, you can really quickly get pigeonholed into this one little tiny area of business or whatever career path you're on. Mm. And one of the things that's been really helpful for me in finding more of the direction I want to be on is exploring And so that ranges from reading widely to traveling to different places in the world to talking to people of many different uh, who work in many different careers or even doing different types of work over time. You know, I owned a couple of different businesses when I was growing up, whether it was mowing lawns or washing cars or, um, you know, I started living for Monday before I came to work at Fizzle. And all of those experiences have added up to give me more perspective on what's possible out there which helps me make more informed choices, at, at least for me. In some ways, it can breed dissatisfaction because you know all of the things that you can't do as well. But uh, So my first tip would be explore a little bit. Read some, meet people, travel the world, start to develop some perspective on what's possible and what's out there. I like it. Yeah, Corbett. and don't you think that um, that practice of like taking a gap year um, before you go into college or after college that people do in other countries, not in the U.S., that just seems to make so much sense, right? Because how do you know what you like if all you've done is go to school and you haven't really got to experience the world? Exactly. Um, all right, I've got, do you guys mind if I read a quick little blog post from one of my favorite bloggers? Uh, I mean, Barrett, I don't know. Barrett, what do you think? Um, uh, uh, yeah. Yes, Corbett. Yes, right, Corbett. Like Please BS read to, me, to us. Okay. Sounds like right. story time. So something, something. it's story time with Corbett. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> something that Tim said that really stuck out to me and just ding, ding, ding right away. He said, uh, how do I figure out what I'm good at? It's not obvious to me because the thing people are interested in learning from me, I don't think is special. So it sounds like he has an idea, right, already of what that thing might be, but he doesn't think it's special. So there's this blog post from Derek Sivers. And I know that we've mentioned this before, but I don't know that we've had a chance to really dive into it. So Derek wrote this blog post called Obvious to You, Amazing to Others. He says, any creator of anything knows this feeling. 
You experience someone else's innovative work. It's beautiful, brilliant, breathtaking. You're stunned. Their ideas are unexpected and surprising, but perfect. And you think, I never would have thought of that. How do they even come up with that? It's genius. Afterwards, you think, my ideas are so obvious. I'll never be as inventive as that. I get this feeling often. Amazing books, music, movies, or even amazing conversations. I'm in awe at how the creator thinks like that. I'm humble. But I continue to do my work. I tell my little tales. I share my point of view. Nothing spectacular. Just my ordinary thoughts. One day, someone emailed me and said, I never would have thought of that. How did you even come up with that? It's genius. Of course, I disagreed and explained why it was nothing special. But afterwards, I realized something surprisingly profound. Everybody's ideas seem obvious to them. I'll bet even John Coltrane or Richard Feynman felt that everything they were playing or saying was pretty obvious. So maybe what's obvious to me is amazing to someone else? Hit songwriters in interviews often admit that their most successful hit song was one they thought was just stupid, even not worth recording. We're clearly a bad judge of our own creations. We should just put it out there and let the world decide. Are you holding back something that seems too obvious to share? Whoa, are you? Are you? Doesn't oh, that, snap! Doesn't that seem to just kind of dig in exactly at what, what Tim was hinting at? He has this feeling like he knows something, but that couldn't be it, because it's just too obvious. Yeah, that is way too obvious. So here's the one thing I'll add to this. I completely agree with um, his perspective, and I know that Tim in the past was working on like a resume writing uh I don't know, either course or service for fellow college students. So the one thing I'll say about this, just based on my own experience trying to start a company based on career search for college students, is that when you're at that stage of life where you're finishing college or just out of college, you just don't have that much to go on. You don't have that much perspective on what business looks like, on what people outside of the college environment might need, on who else might be your customers besides college students simply because you haven't interacted with them that much, right? You've been amongst a cohort of people your age for so long going through school that the natural um, outcome that you think about is, okay, well, they must be my customers then because those are the only people I know. And that's not always the case. And so while I agree with the blog post you just read, I also think that when you're at this particular stage that Tim's at, it's really tough to imagine uh, what you might be able to provide to people Um or what you might be able to build over time beyond what you know right now. Yeah, I'm going to jump in there and give you two of mine. Um, Whoa. Uh, Wait. Yeah, just that's deal not, with that's it. That's not part of the deal. I'm a gambler and a rambler, and I do what I want to. <laughs> um, just write it. Like, that's one of my points. It's exactly what you said, uh, Barrett. And basically, it's two, it's two different ones to me. So one of them is, is you, you don't know what you want, so give it time, right? You don't know what you want. You're not supposed to, maybe, right? So, Corbett, you mentioned the gap year. How are you going to know what you want if you've been just, you know, trying to get A's in school for the last 15 years of your life? You know, you don't even know who you are or what you're here for. That's the first one. You don't know what you want. So give it time. Do the things that Barrett was talking about, this exploration. This is stuff that you do to figure it out. Right. I, I was recently sitting with a friend who um, spent a long time at a bad ass design, uh, digital, uh, not, not digital, sorry, design agencies. And we're not talking about like, I'm a designer. We're talking about like, like, like they, 
it's kind of like IDEO. They were called SY Partners. Um, and they are this big proponent of design thinking. Stanford has this D school all about it. IDEO, they're not about like, like making a prettier website. They're about like, how do we solve the problem of water in Africa? You know, potable water or something like that, right? So, uh, and one of the things that I got to geeking about with, with, geeking out about with her was, Howard Schultz from Starbucks will come to her with a problem. This is a, something that we want solved. And now what they do is not like sit around and wait for a great idea to drop out of their brains. What they do is a bunch of exercises to see what they can discover about this thing. Okay, so the very different it's very different from Tim saying, I don't know what to do and I don't know what I'm good at. And nobody's telling me what to do and I don't see the path and I can't figure out exactly what it is is that thing that I should be doing in in a way that I am 100% confident and clear about that's the right thing for me to be doing. I don't know that. So what the D school would say, this idea of design thinking is like here's some exercises to and ways to get other people involved in the problem so that you can explore and work out what is going on with this thing. What what could pu- be what could happen what you could do right because when we get into this black and white thinking it might might kind of stop us up and our creativity sort of falls apart so you don't know what you want you're going to need to give it time and explore stuff and then number two even if you thought you knew what you wanted it's going to change over time even that thing that you think like like not not just that like your des- your desires will change oh i wanted to be a green grocer and now i want to be a farmer or now i want to want to be a butcher it's like like not that like that those things just change they will too but also what you know about what that thing is your vision of being a blogger changes over time i think about myself i wanted to uh, I was, I'm trained, uh, to be a pastor. That's what my degree is in. And that's what I always thought that I would be doing was start, be starting churches and doing all of these sorts of things. And, uh, Hank, Hank, Hank. Oh, no. Damn it, Hank. <laughs> all right. Point noted. Hank doesn't like it when we talk about the church. He's like, keep it separate. Church and state. <laughs> but, but, uh, uh, I, now I have a completely different vision of that. And I've gone through several different ones. I realized that I am a pastoral person, whether or not I'm in or a part of any church. I care about this, about what we're doing at Fizzle because I care about shepherding people's souls through this freaking nightmare of trying to create something that's worthwhile enough to stay alive for and to go through all of the rigmarole of putting something out into the world and putting your ass line that way and exposing yourself and then getting up and doing it again and again and again and again and again, right? I love that. That that has taken place and changed over time for me, that vision. So what I thought about it then is way different than what I think about it now. And I've gone through several stages in between. So all of this to say that you're going to learn a great deal over time. And I guess I, ca- I can't help but get into this to this other one. Uh, this one's- Wait, wait, hold on. Like, Are like, we moving on to number three? <laughs> yeah, three for me. Three for me. Uh, that's definitely happening right now. But they're all sort. They're all like right. They're they're very similar. Number one, you don't know what is number want. three. Have, Give it time. Have patience. <laughs> have patience. <laughs> have patience. Uh, number two is is you, what you what you know about what you want will change. That that does object of your desire becoming a blogger, becoming a mediapreneur, whatever it is. That what you understand about that will change over time. And number three, this great quote from uh, Brad Feld about being an entrepreneur is a long vision of many short cycles. You know, and so we got to have this long vision about this stuff. And 
I, ne- I, I, I just got the greatest example of this last night when I was watching these. There's these amazing documentaries uh, about the the different genres of heavy metal. Now, f- stay with me here. Um, oh, there's I'm this great you. documentary called The Head Headbangers Journey, where he get, it's like a, just a documentary movie about like about metal. Right, he's a he was a cultural anthropologist, and he's like, well, nobody's done it on metal, and I freaking love metal. <laughs> and he talks to everyone. Then that was successful enough for him to somehow get funding to do like a TV show kind of thing, where it's like hour long episodes where he explores the total like, this massive flow chart of the genres of metal, all the way back to like pre metal to the stuff that like started it. Um, like so, for, and, and then down through like you know Swedish black metal and and thrash and all this other stuff. This all this, I love this. It's this so fun. And so the one I watched yesterday was about like how do we go? How do we go? Uh, what's the pre metal stuff? Okay, so we're talking about bands like Deep Purple and Black Sabbath and and all of this and, and Kiss and all of this stuff. But there was this there's these scenes of Aerosmith. Aerosmith was included there. Where where I mean, how many? I've seen Steven Tyler a lot in recent time because he's been a judge on American Idol or in like some TV show or something like that. You know, he's like this cultural reference point. He's he's someone that we recognize. And I barely recognized what he looked like on stage doing his thing in the early days. Like, and he spent a lot of cycles doing that. And now he just sits back and says like, yeah, I really think you've got a great aura and I love the way you're singing this song. It was a little pitchy. You know, now he just does that stuff. I don't even think he's an American Idol judge anymore. But that's all I know him from the last 10 years. And when you go back and you see this footage of him just kicking ass on stage and being this, this like, if you would have seen him live, you'd have been just like, what is... What is the deal with these guys? It was it was compelling. Uh, that it that's that short cycle. We we've already forgotten about what he's done. He's already forgotten about that, and now his lo- his life and way he looks at it and the point of of success and all this stuff is vastly different. And the same thing with where we are right now and what we'll look like in ten years. And the same thing with with what you're thinking about right now. You think you're going to pick something and you're going to be Steven Tyler on stage shaking and strutting his stuff for the rest of his life, and you don't have any sense of American Idol judging. I guess is a bad is, is the way that I'm that I'm trying to make that. But like. But the the opportunities that you're given change so vastly much. So understand that this is such a long game. So maybe the third point is have patience. Have patience. Don't be in such a hurry. But just realize that uh, that that this is going to be a very long vision of many short cycles, and oftentimes that the the things that we aim at are way t- they they get really myopic when you get a little more perspective on. It. Okay, I'm gonna stop talking. Okay, go to the next one. Who's next? Corbett, Barrett. Barrett. Yeah, I mean, one that came up while you were talking, Chase, uh, that I didn't didn't necessarily have in my notes, but is as you gain perspective on the world and you see new things out there, I think it's really important to not focus so much on what are the skills I have to have today, right now, this instant, in order to do everything I ever want to do, but more to focus on solving problems for people and learning the things that you need to know to solve those problems. So I always find that learning is much more interesting in the context of applying it to a real problem or a real venture or a real project or whatever. And so before you go out to start this whole big grand vision of a business, why not just focus on doing small little projects that allow you to solve problems and pick up skills along the way without any regard for money that you make from it? And I think in doing a great example of this actually was uh, 
Justin Jackson's new show that he just finished up the first season of uh, called Build and Launch, where every week in February, he built and launched a very small product in seven days. And what I love about that is that anyone could do it. Uh, It just takes the ability to recognize a problem that some person or group of people has and then building something that somehow addresses that problem without a regard for whether it's going to be the next Apple or the thing that occupies you know, your life's work or whatever, but truly just for the act of creating things, solving problems and learning new skills. And I think that's really a, a good place to start, especially when you're early in your career and you have no idea what you want to do. Yeah, I love that. It's kind of like um, just find a problem that you think you can solve for someone and take the pressure off. Don't don't think about this as being your, your lifelong pursuit. Um, I had a similar one, which is to try to differentiate between your skills and the problem that you're solving for people because they don't have to be the same thing. And I think it's natural for people to feel like, okay, what are my skills now? The problem that I solve for people has to be teaching them how to use those skills. For example, um, Tim said he's good at computers. That's a skill. So you might assume that I'm going to solve a problem for people that that is centered around me being good at computers, like teaching them how to use them effectively or something. Um, building websites is a skill. Writing is a skill. There are all these things that people have And you usually need multiple skills to solve any problem that's worthwhile. Just think about all the things that we have to do in Fizzle because we're a three-person company to get this thing done, Um, including, you know, producing videos, uh, sometimes writing songs like Chase does, Um, you know, uh, programming. You know, we had a football in this country and it's really, really fun. Wow, it's a big deal. (laughs) Sorry, I couldn't help it. So, uh, Scott Harrison, you mentioned Charity Water a couple of times. Well, Scott Harrison wasn't an expert on providing clean drinking water. He probably didn't know much about it at all, but he knew that it was a huge problem. It was one of the biggest problems of the world, and he wanted to solve that problem for people or see if he could. So he used all of his different skills. I imagine he had to use communications, fundraising, um, selling a vision to people, being persuasive, all of these different things, like Barrett is talking about, gaining all of these different little skills, because then eventually when you find a problem that's worth solving, you're going to have to call on all of these things. Um and if the, the problem is important enough to you, then you can build your expertise over time on that particular problem, or you can even borrow expertise from others if you're persuasive enough to, t- to convince them that they should join you in trying to solve that problem. Yeah, I think that these, are, these are great points. And so to, to me, Barrett, you, know, you said um, maybe instead of thinking about what skills do I need to learn, focus more on what problem or pl- problems do I want to solve. Um, and then, Corbett, you're talking about like now different, similar thing, differentiating your skills from the problem that you solve because basically the skills are going to be a big grab bag of things that you're going to need to do. And if you focus on any one of those, you kind of might be missing the point. You know, in the same way, it makes me think about uh, that uh, Amy Poehler web series about you know smart smart girls at the party well they had a vision and a mission to do to do this stuff and what then they get say like okay so how so how do we how do we do it then okay so they had to find camera people because they wanted to do a video series online it's just a web series they weren't going to run it through cbs or try to sell it to a network or something they were going to do it themselves and own the audience and and all that stuff and that means also coming up with content that means figuring out you know the idea who who they're going to interview then coming up with all these questions and all this other stuff and some of the things they're really good at and some of the things they had to learn and they had to or partner with other people for uh to achieve so it's that that to me it's always interesting 
more interesting when you're trying to solve a problem, when you can find something that you care about. And I guess what I'll do is, um, I've got this big list, so let me uh, let me try to find the one that uh, fits best with what's next. So I'd say it's this one. Piggybacking on both of those, um, what if, and Barrett, you mentioned this, like picking a very small project uh, and doing it without any regard for money. So for me, it's focused on a very specific audience with a very specific problem and make a very specific thing for them. Because to me, the audience, and more specifically their problem, kind of gives you the rules of the game. Okay, the rules of the game are like I want to reach girls and help them understand that that they matter even if they don't look like uh, the supermodels that they see all the time, right? On TV and media and magazines and all this other crap, right? I want to do. I want to. I want to help them understand those things. So now that's the rules of the game. So now we have a we have we have a, a questions to ask ourselves about what's the best way to pot, to do that or what's a way that we can do that, right? So then you get to play that game instead of run around and ask like, you know, am I good enough? Do I know enough yet? Like, oh, I'm just not successful. I'm not this, that, and the other. You know, and this idea of of these little little projects, I'm, I'm always going to throw two at a time because I have just too many to cover. <laughs> the second one, the second one being like, you know, beyond just the the idea of of the audience and the problem just build one small focused thing i'm always harping about this do one season commit to doing one season of a podcast that that provides different voices around a different question right or a, a one sim, one question right or or write 12 blog posts only and that add up to one ebook on a clear targeted focused topic right it's built to do one thing well and you could take it or leave it when you're done. You've, and then just kind of uh, the Justin Jackson uh, Build and Launch podcast is a really great example of this, Barrett, because he's just like, okay, I'm coming up with ideas. I'm trying to ship this thing in a week. I'm coming up with ideas. I'm trying to ship this thing in a week, right? And it's fascinating because when you time box yourself that way, you know you're not going to be able to do, you're not going to do the, your best possible work, but you're going to be able to do enough work to put it, to get it out the door, hopefully. And I don't know. Early on, that might be more important than doing your best possible work because I'm, you know, eight years into this sort of journey and I, I'm, I, I can't tell you one thing that I feel like I did my best work on. It's just, it, there's just too many deadlines and things like that. And I think that's, that's sort of the cost of doing business in some ways. Wouldn't you say? Definitely. Hell yeah. Uh, my next one, which maybe I've beaten like a dead horse. I don't know. Uh, you guys can tell me if I've said this too many times. Um, think of expertise not as an absolute thing, like either you are an expert all in or you're not. Instead of as an absolute, think of it as a continuum. So there are levels of expertise from, let's say, a scale of 0 to 10, and the world's greatest experts might be a 10, but that doesn't mean they're best suited to coach people who are just at a level 0 or 1 or something. And if you're just a couple of rungs up the ladder... You might end up being the perfect fit for someone who's um, trying to learn what you learned more recently because you can explain it to them better or they relate to you better or whatever. Just thinking about my own experience, um, when I started uh, Think Traffic, the blog, back in 2010, I definitely wasn't the world's foremost expert on growing audiences online, but I knew that I had learned some things that were applicable to specific circumstances and that I had a um, specific story to share with people. And that certainly helped me build a, a big following for Think Traffic. Same thing for Fizzle. If we had thought to ourselves, are we the world's foremost experts at teaching people how to build online businesses? There's no way we would have started Fizzle. 
Um, because you know, on the scale of zero to 10, I don't know, we were somewhere in the middle of the pack and yet we've been able to build this incredible thriving business for ourselves because we just realized that there are people out there who can learn from us better than they can from others. And, um, once you start, you know, we have gotten so much better at what we do over the past two years through the podcast, through coaching people. We've now worked with so many people inside of Fizzle and we've learned, um, what is applicable to them. And so, you know, the other thing is there may be experts, uh, let's say in, in starting businesses, people like, um, Mark Andreessen and others who have built really huge businesses. Um, but at the same time, if you're able to work with people one-on-one and really understand their problems, you might become an expert who is better at teaching than the world's greatest experts who are only good at applying things for themselves. Yeah. Absolutely. It's a great point. I kind of like piggybacking on that. It's this idea of when you say that, it makes me think of like being a leading learner. You know what I mean? That's just a term that I wasn't very familiar with till I started working with you, Corbin. It sounds like it's like, it's it's like a term that bloggers use for talking about a similar kind of thing. Um, different from what you were just talking about in that, like you say, I want to learn this thing. I want to learn scrapbooking. And then you document the journey and say like, okay, here's what I wish I knew before I started this one project. Okay, here's another thing that I've learned. So combining leading learner with like some of the other things we've talked about, like like potential, like uh, your idea that you only need to be like one or two steps ahead of, of people to be a really effective teacher, potentially, and even a better, a more effective teacher than, than y- the, uh, the number 10 on the expert scale. He might be, he or she might be super terrible at teaching, right? So if you can pick a thing that you want to learn and you can combine that with maybe like the idea of doing like just a one season thing of something, now you get to say, Tim, instead of, what am I really good at? You get to say, what could I, what could I have fun learning about? What do I, what would I, what do I wish I knew more about? What do I wish uh, I could do uh, that I could, that I could learn about um, and, and document my journey, you know, in 12 stages or 12 steps or 10 steps or something like that. And just make, just make it a, a little thing just so that something gets out the door. That's a, that's a fun way of getting about this because it turns it a little bit more into sort of play than, than, than a serious thing, I think. Mm-hmm. we've beat this one to death too but i'm going to say it again because i believe in it so much i think that whether you're leaving a corporation or whether you're coming out of school or whatever i think that there's so much value in going to work for somebody who you respect or a very small business that is solving a problem you're interested in and the reason is that you get so much more breadth of experience while still having a little bit of a safety net where you're getting a paycheck or a commission or whatever but you're also learning many different aspects of the business. And by doing that before you jump whole hog into doing your own thing, I think you'll pick up some skills that will apply to when you want to launch your own business. And if you also on the side of working for uh, as an apprentice or for a very small business, if you were able to do some of these projects we've talked about on the side to see what it's like to build your own thing, to try and sell it to a group of people, I think that combination of experiences would be super valuable. Um, And I'll particularly say that for students coming out of school, because again, you just lack the experience that you're going to have five years from now. And there's not a whole lot you can do to accelerate that other than just make the most of those five years and explore as much as possible. Yeah, obviously, Apprentice on my list as well. This is just... Mm. And it's too important of a, of a thing. And I made, and I like, you know, I thought about, so who, who would like just naming people that you could just approach? And of course, a lot of this is like impossibility. The, for the, the key to me in this is 
you find someone who you just, you're just intrigued by the way they look at business. Either there's someone you already admire, they could be a big deal or they could be like a really small deal. To me, in some ways, just how, like how they think about business is more important than what industry they're in, what, whether they're successful or not or anything like that. Normally there's a, there's, there's just some sort of quality to them that intrigues me. So if you wrote a list out of the people that made sense to you or that, that you, you liked, maybe just any expert. And thought about approaching them, whether it's their Pat Flynn's or your minimalist bakers or your Amy Polers or Bob Goff's or Louis C.K.'s, Josh Ships or Tara Gentiles or, or Gentiles, uh, or, you know, whoever else that you're looking at or the, like conference organizers or something like that. Anybody that's on your radar, who of those could you approach? And if you, if you would dream of doing a, a year of work with them, for example. And it makes me think of, so useronboard.com, a site that we really like, Samuel Hulick, the guy who started it, he apprenticed under uh, Rob Walling for a while. He was a developer and slash designer here in town at, in Portland at some agency. And, and Rob Walling had this internship open up and he, Sam applied and, and wanted to get it. And so he worked with, with him there on the marketing side because he's like, yeah, I'd like to round out sort of what I understand about marketing. And that's what led him to starting up useronboard.com. And that he, he left Rob and did his own thing. Awesome. And, and it was killer. And it's a perfect example of that, of that kind of combining that long vision thing, like realizing that like you go work for someone, it might not be for the rest of your life, right? And that idea that you have, maybe it gets even better when you sit on it for a little bit while you're, while you go like learn, get rounded out like the way that Barrett's talking about. So anyways, that apprentice thing's a really big deal. And, and it's something that people are not talking about enough because everybody just wants to start up a damn blog and and be the world's best beauty video youtuber or something like that you know and and it's a really hard road and not not not, don't not do that just because it's hard everything's going to be hard but you just there's so much joy and things to learn along the way that you're going to miss out on or, or like the joy gets sucked out of the learning when you add that much pressure to it you know you know another Another way to find people is go listen to every interview Srinivas Rao or Andrew Warner has ever done or listen to every episode of This Week in Startups or Product yeah. People or any of these shows that are online. I mean, they just have hundreds of people they've interviewed, all of whom are building some kind of business and many of whom have very different belief systems, very different styles, very different skill sets. And just find some people you um, align with or believe in or like their style and just make a list of those people and think about how you might approach them or learn from them for, from afar. Like I had a guy uh, message me on LinkedIn the other day and he was asking for an uh, introduction to Scott Densmore because he wanted Scott to be a mentor for him. And I said, listen, dude, I could give you an introduction, but to be honest, he's traveling the world for the next year. He's probably doing as little as possible on the business to continue it on the path it's on while still enjoying the time that he's away. Now is probably not the best time. Here's what I would do if I were you. I'd read every post he's ever written online. I'd buy one or two of his products and see what he has to teach there. I'd get used to like, what is his business? What are the different aspects of it? And so I just kind of gave him this roadmap of how to respect Scott by consuming all of the things he's put out there publicly before you go to him and ask him to be your mentor. Because that's the lazy approach, right? That puts the, the burden on the person who you want to mentor you or who you want to apprentice under Show them some respect before you approach them and go read the work that they put out there for people just like you. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you used a couple of words there, apprentice and mentor. And um, I think the easiest way, it's, it's very hard to find a mentor um, 
It's yeah. very hard to get time from someone who's incredibly busy. The best way to approach it, I think, is to try to get a job with that person that you would like to yeah. be your mentor. Because once you start working for someone, they, by default, become your mentor. It's in their interest for you to learn things and to progress. And yeah. it just becomes a really mutually beneficial relationship. And you're kind of being paid for the mentorship, right? Um, and so one of the things that I added on here was, uh, just to follow on with you guys, is to join a startup or to take a quote-unquote risky job. Take a job with a company that you don't think is going to be around three months from now because you're going to learn so much from that process and whoever's running that thing will, in a way, become your mentor. Yeah, I think it's a it's a great point. And now and when we talk about an apprentice, uh, like, like it's... I always, I have this fantasy in my head that if there was someone I really wanted to work with, like so my story is I lucked out and I needed a job. I was trying to do my own business and it was and the economy was in the tank. I had gotten laid off from uh, actually they tried to make me a full commission salesperson and the, <laughs> we were trying to sell fifty thousand dollar websites to people who who were like we're not spending anything on anything right now. What do you mean? <laughs> and then the, then my co- the company was like yes we're going to pay you just on the commissions that you make on your sales. Isn't that exciting? We think this is going to be really motivational for you. <laughs> and it was like, okay, just fire me. And I got a week a week of uh, of um, unemployment before I started making my own websites for people, and that worked. But I wanted to get into a job. Got into a job, and it just happened to. I just lucked out because I got to work with one of the best guys I could have ever worked with. And being with him for three years, even though I wanted to quit at six months, one year, one and a half years, and two years, I just wanted to get out and do my thing. I had a vision already. I'm glad I stuck with it because he it, it it affected so much it was so important to me and it rounded me out so much faster than uh it would have me just kind of like you know trying to do my own thing which is also just as important to do your own thing eventually but man it's it's really valuable so how do you get that i don't know i lucked out and and needed a job and had a friend who could connect me to this guy um but I think I would make that list of the people that I that I like, and I would just be like, "Let me come make coffee for you for six months." Like, let, let me let me come. Like, I just I'll, like lowest common denominator, uh, money wise. Here's my skills. I I'm going to come and be super 100 percent committed to you, and I would just hound as many of them as I can. Well, and and, and before you do that, um, do what Barrett suggested earlier, which is yeah, about learn getting to know them, everything you possibly can about this person exactly. before you approach them. That makes you stand out. There's Zero question that, you know, the the person that gets hired is usually the one who shows the most interest and proves that they have the most interest in the company by yeah. um, having coming to the table with ideas and observations about things that they've consumed from that company. Okay, I have one here that it's a little bit weird. Okay, I'm a weird guy. Uh, but this is something I've been asking a lot of friends of mine, like and friends of your guys' as well, James Clear, Mike Pacione, Josh Ship. A handful of you I've been I've been I've been working through this question. Uh, it's this, okay? Ask yourself, of all the people that you admire, okay, dead or alive, famous or not, right? They could be on that list that we were just talking about in the apprentice sort of people you'd want to apprentice under. Of all the people that you admire or idolize or, or they could be your uncle or your dad or, you know, Patrick Stewart or Benjamin Franklin or Gandhi, right? Of all these people, who do you most think you're sort of heading towards, 
you sort of are on the path of? Obviously, it's a hard question to answer. I mean, every time I've asked somebody this, they go like, wow, that's a good question. I don't know. It's very hard to answer it. Uh, it's hard to answer, but come up with a few answers and, and ask some friends too. I'll tell you why. Okay, well, so first of all, I, I asked my, my, I was thinking about it and immediately my head goes to like my heroes who are all comedians. And, uh, and I have very, like, kind of sort of little in common with them, but like, you know, like the Louis C.K.'s and the Robin Williams is RIP and, and, uh, people like this. And those, you know, those weren't as helpful to me in terms of the point of this thing. And then my wife, when she was thinking about it, she's like, you know what? I think you, I think when I think of you, I think of, I think of Bob Goff, and Bob Goff is this friend's, friend of ours who's this crazy writer, uh, lawyer, uh, wealthy, dignitary Jesus guy. Like, just he's like Peter Pan. He's like a 55, 50-year-old Peter Pan. I, think he, I, don't, I don't even know how old he is. But he's crazy. And, um, and he's like, well, he's like, he's a total family guy. He's a man of means and he loves getting people together. He has this big lodge up in Canada. That's, that's amazing to go to. And it's some of the most important, like great, great moments are had there. So I started thinking about this because this is why this question is interesting of all the people that you admire, who do you think you're most sort of heading towards? Cause then the question becomes, okay, what would that person do next? Either in your life or in your business? Now, for me, this is really instructive because I, I'm doing all these voices all the time, right? And as I've told you guys before, like sometimes I'm like doing these voices, right? And I sort of get into this character and I see the things very differently. Like this guy is always seeing the light. Like he knows like the light is, wow, it's coming from outside. And it's amazing because the light like doesn't belong to us. And yes, it is. And yes, it, yet it is ours. You know what I mean? And then there's like, then there's like this guy who like might be, whoa, I don't know what that's all about. But um, he's a little more concerned with like, I noticed there are some piles of clothes in this room. I mean, what is going on? You got to clean that stuff up, man. And like these people, these characters, they sort of see things differently. The way that Colbert, who I've been infatuated with, sort of sees things differently when he's in his character's skin. So the whole point of this rant is when you can find your Bob Goff and ask yourself what that person would do in your life, for some people, not for all people, but for some people, that is like, whoa, that's a crazy question because your mind sort of explodes with ideas. So I know for me, the, the, when Melissa said Bob Goff, like I had a lot of ideas. So what would Bob do next in Fizzle? And what would his sort of life plan be? And I could go like, holy crap, that gives me a lot of ideas. Now, these are just ideas. You're not going to be, I'm not going to be Bob Goff. And you're not going to be Benjamin Franklin or whoever else your answer is. You're not going to follow directly in that path. But the, the thing that's important about it is you get to sort of play that role, almost like if you were holding two dolls in your hand and say like, I'm Bob Goff and I'm Chase and we're going to do something with our life. Oh, okay. Like it's almost like kids playing. You get to have a little bit more freedom with your ideas and thoughts because it's not your, you're, you're, you, you're not like, I don't know, for some, somehow it's not you anymore. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm, absolutely. And I bet, depending on who you're talking about, like most of us are going to choose someone who's somewhat famous because that's just who we look up to and who we have yeah. a lot of access to. Um, I bet you'll be able to find a lot of interviews with, with most choices, and you might be able to find out what they did next when they were at your stage. Yes, exactly. So the, and so for me, like one of the things that was instructive is like, you know what? Bob would all obviously have more in the fire than Fizzle or something like that. Or Fizzle would be, uh, his, his excuse, his, his like leverage to get to some bigger goal. 
Do you know what I mean? So I'm like, okay, so this is just this little membership site that we'll make to do this vastly bigger impacting thing. Do you know what I mean? And which is just like, what? How, how could you even, th- I can't even, I can barely have any bandwidth for thinking about this right now. Do you know what I mean? And so just that is a really helpful idea to go like, okay, so what does fizzle represent? What's bigger than fizzle that we then sort of, we always have fizzle going on and it launches into this much bigger global campaign for, I don't know, uh, self-reliance and autonomy and happiness and work or whatever it ends up being. I don't know, right? The kinds of things that we stand for that where we do it more than through more than just the, the, the membership community. But it, it's a fascinating question. And I've been thinking about bringing it on, on the show and sharing it here for a while. And I thought this is, this is a fine place to do it. So hopefully that's helpful for some of you. Cause to me, it's like, it's, it's really instructive. And for a handful of people I've talked to, it has been for others. It's not. So play with it. Love it. So I got one related to that about being famous. Hmm. And I feel like more and more people just want to be famous like overnight. They want people to know them. They want people to read their blog, to have a hundred thousand readers, to be known in the world. And that's very understandable. Like I have that feeling. I think you both probably have that feeling. Um, Corbett basically is famous. So, you know, he's got that going on. Nailed it. But, <laughs> oh yeah. But my point I want to make about that is I think the best way to become famous is to do good work and be known for your work and the quality of it and the people you've impacted through that work. And not just because you've been able to hack your way into getting people to pay attention to you. Right. Because at some part, at some point, I think that house of cards falls down where if you just pitch well and you end up getting interviewed or you end up getting featured and there's no substance there, there's no real work that you've done behind all of that. I think it becomes really, really empty at some point in that process. And so what I would encourage anyone who's thinking, you know, I want to do this so that I become famous. Maybe your motivations are a little off in that way. You know, maybe you should focus more back on problems to solve, work that's interesting, projects and a body of work over time that represent what you believe about the world or things that you're capable of and get known for that instead of just being known for being known. Yeah, it's a great point. And I think think a lot of us want that with but we're not able to say why i want to do this because i want to get famous few of us have that kind of self-awareness even though it's an accurate sort of engine for us i think probably yep. i think that's that's the case for me and i'm really uncomfortable saying it yep. you know what i mean yeah yeah in some ways it's just the same thing as being on the high school schoolyard and just re- really wanting the right people to like you you know to want to be at that right table um and so I think that in some ways it's an engine inside all of us. And that's why our culture is seeing this. At least I, at least I see it every damn day here in Portland. This focus on like, just do the work, man. It's all about craft and, and, and quality, man. You know, we want to do the work. And, and that's why I've resonated with that so hard. And at the same time, realizing that it's just another cultural sort of thing. It's just another Miley Cyrus song. You know, I think Marco Arman had this great tweet about like, um, People who do, <laughs> I have a contractor that does really good work, but he doesn't buy any magazines about artisanal hammers. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the, the, the things that sort of we do to the work when we, we kind of make it, we have to, we have to make it be, uh, be the, we turn our work into the cool kids sometimes, yeah. you know what I mean? But, right. but, uh, but the, the point stands about like focus on the work. Your body of work will be what you stand and fall on. This is the substance of your, of, of 
your capacity in some way. Of course, you're not going to be limited to just what your work is. Your work can never represent who you are. You're a three-dimensional Rorschach text of like, of like amazing, crazy capabilities and dreams and hopes. And your, your parents had sex in a van in the night sky and you popped out nine months later. It's amazing. Was it's there, a miracle. Was there like a life. wolf on the side of the van and a, and a little bubble window? Exactly. Exactly. That's actually sounding pretty bad. I don't like that scene very much. <laughs> All right. It's terrifying. Um, I got, <laughs> but, uh, okay. What else you I got? I got something here. So if you're looking for something to get into and it's like, you're just kind of feeling like you're about to throw a dart at a dartboard and run with something, you may as well choose something that is hot and new where few people are experts yet. So, you know, like if you've been through this, Chase mentioned earlier that being an entrepreneur is a long, um, what was it, a long journey of many short cycles? Or a yeah, long, long view of many, many short cycles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Y- you see this, whether it's in finance or tech or whatever, or fitness, there are these fads that happen. And the older you get, the more you recognize when this starts to happen and something starts to build and it becomes more and more popular. And you, But you notice this even when you're younger. You might not feel like, oh my God, this is going to be a big thing, but you do notice when something's becoming more and more popular. Well, that's a great time to jump on something because in the beginning, there are few people who are experts and you may have an equal shot at becoming one of the, the top, you know, quote unquote experts on this particular thing simply because you've had as much interest and have put as much time into it and effort yeah. as anybody else. So some examples, um, in tech, for example, uh, Bitcoin a couple of years ago was really hot. Maybe it didn't end up going anywhere, but imagine if you had gotten on that early, you might have built a little, um, reputation for yourself. Home automation is kind of hot right now. The iWatch, for God's sake, is about to come out. That's something you could become an expert at because it's, it's a hot thing that's new. Can you imagine the blogs are going to start about iWatch marketing? Right. Or, just, like, yeah, right. What your company needs to know about iWatch in-app notifications. Exactly. Um, or on the fitness side, imagine if you had jumped on the paleo train a few years ago. How big did that get? And sometimes yeah. you even have a little bit of time. Like our friend Steve Cam, uh, created an app. I think it was called Is It Paleo? It's an app that he has yeah. just for you to be like, can I eat this or not? And he started that a couple of years after paleo was in full swing, but he's had a really big success with that. Likewise, you know, intermittent fasting, there's all kinds of different things that happen in all these different areas. When you jump on one of these things, not only do you have like a good opportunity to make um, a name for yourself because no one is an expert yet, but also there's just this energy. New things are being discovered in this space. Um, it's exciting. And um, I think if you're going to throw a dart at a dartboard, it just seems like why not choose something that's new and fresh and hot? Yeah, I think Definitely. that's great. Barrett, you got one? Yeah, I got one more here. Um, and it's my last one too. Ooh, okay. uh, this one is, there's something to be said for working on a team. And I tweeted this the other day and I got all kinds of interactions back, back and forth about whether that's true. But in my experience, I've done both. I've worked in a big corporation. I've worked all alone, being lonely and like trying to build a thing and not knowing which way was up. And then I've worked on the fizzle team and based on all of those experiences, I would take working on a team any day over being a solopreneur. And sometimes that's not an option right up front, or sometimes that's not your style, or maybe you truly enjoy working alone. But just based on my experience, I, I wouldn't shy away from working on a team just because that means you don't get to be CEO or you don't get to be the head honcho. Because in many ways, that's not all it's cracked up to be when you're all alone at your computer in your home office, cranking away at article after article and product after product. 
you know, there's something to be said for being uh, along or on that journey with other people. I love it. I have that, that same one on my list, um, uh, which is this, do it with someone. And I wanted it to sound like, you know, you're going to do it with someone. Mm, good. Um, but do it with someone. That idea of that little project that you can do, the, the one season or the 12 blog posts or the thing or the something, right? Bring in one or two friends on it, on that specific project and make some cool shit with your friends you know what i mean like i think that was a line from amy poehler's book she's like uh i want to make cool that i'm proud of with my friends you know i love that that makes so much that's what that's what amy said yeah man that's a great quote it's a great quote um and and so teaming up like you said bear to me teaming up with someone changes the way that i looked at things you know and it kind of called me to the table In, in some ways it called me to the table more but in different ways than i was already being called to the table so it wasn't that it was just making it more intense it was like i had we had to figure out how what frequencies to occupy and it made it really clear once we once Carter and I started working with each other and once you came on Barrett like we all know we we all kind of like learn how to sort of like occupy the the sort of remaining frequencies in the in the sound bed and I'm, I'm an audio guy so make it make it work um but but there you're you're right there is something to be said for working on a team and I'm sick and tired of everybody thinking that you need to do it by yourself because because your life changes when you work with someone else. Now, it's tough to find a good partner. but and, and so don't think about it in terms of like a life partner or a marriage yet. Figure out a 50-50 sort of agreement or some sort of a, a thing uh, that, that's based on the amount of work and a vesting schedule or whatever. I mean, uh, like that all sounds craziness. If you have questions about it, let us know. Um, at hey guys at fizzle.co. Hey guys. But, but elsewise, just like find someone like, I don't know, it's hard. I think of the people who, how many people who answered our survey said like, none of my friends are entrepreneurial. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it's just like, it's so tough. It's so tough. It's so tough, especially when you feel like you're the one in the school project who like, I can't, I just, let me just do the work. I'll get it done quicker and it'll be right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, and it's just like, it is such an amazing thing when you get to meet your people and be in, like, like meeting Corbett and, and it's, it's like not this douchey, uh, like a bunch of, well, a bunch of, so not entirely stuff. <laughs> it's, yeah, not entirely. Uh, but but I don't know. It, it 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 changes so much. So how do you do that? I don't know. Meet up, meet me meetup.org or something like that. I tweet, find go to the events if there's a creative mornings event in your town. If just you just kind of got to put in the work there. Uh, in Fizzle, people are finding each other. I want I want people to find more of each other in Fizzle in our forums. Because I want you guys to be working with one another to build build this stuff. And when you have a very specific focused target thing to build, then you get to say, like, how, how is this? You get to kind of define more instead of going like, oh, what are you going to do for uh, uh, I'm going to be this person for the rest of my life. This is the business I'm going to build. That's the way your brain behaves when you talk about what business idea I'm going to, going to get into. Anyways, I'll get into that in a second. Um, uh, Corbett, what what else do you have to add? Uh, are we on lightning round or last one here or what? Kind of like kind of like lightning All round. Right. I, I've got another handful to go through, uh, but <laughs> oh, but I'm not, I don't mind if it goes late. I mean, <laughs> yeah. we've got we've All right. people like if they're into it, they'll keep listening. All right, well, I'm just not, gonna I'm gonna give my last one here, um, and that is when all else fails and you have no idea what to do next. By all means, please live your goddamn life while you're trying to solve this problem. Don't put everything on hold. Right. Because your thinking is going to go stagnant. You're going to drive yourself up a wall and you're not going to have that 
that breakthrough that happens when you're out living your life and having a good time and just trying to enjoy yourself and realize that the whole point of being on this planet isn't to find this one magical thing that you're an expert at. It's to live your life and to have experiences and something will come along. But if you put all this pressure on yourself that your entire life is on hold until you figure out the one thing that the good Lord put you on this planet for, it's just not going to happen. And you're going to miss out on some of the best years of your life. Yeah, it's a, it's a good point. I mean, I was putting Aiden and my son to bed the other night, and Aiden's Aiden's this creative little troubled kid, and he's just like me. And and I was and I'm I have like all these fantasies about him being some movie director or something like that. The way it's hard not to. And I'm putting him down to bed, and we're sort of snuggling and hanging out. It's like the best time ever. And and I'm realizing like like uh, I've just been caught up so much in this idea of like helping him to be that creative kid and not stifling that. And then I'm realizing, like, like <laughs> the more that I encourage that, the the less likely he is to enjoy anything <laughs> in his life, <laughs> because it's just making him more more like dissatisfied with the work of his hands. More, uh, it's this crazy balance that we all live in as creatives to a be able to create stuff, b be able to be like, oh, that was that was good enough. I feel good about it, and c remain dissatisfied enough to keep creating. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think it's, there's something there, though. Like, that's why uh, the great discontent online magazine and now uh, physical magazine has always appealed to me and why their name has always appealed to me. There's something there of of this tension of being dissatisfied but still understanding yeah. that's just part of the deal. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. never going to go away. Literally never, I don't think. I, I haven't talked to people who stay engaged in their life who have said, oh, yeah, I've, I've stopped having ideas or I stopped thinking about new problems to solve or I, yeah. you know, I'd give up. Some people do give up, but for different reasons. But in my experience, talking to people who have been in this thing a long time, they it doesn't ever go away. And yeah. that's just part of the deal. And I think it's okay. You just have to be okay with that tension, that in-between space. Yeah, absolutely. It makes me think of uh, that guy who made the Headbangers Journey. He also made this amazing documentary on Rush. It's so good. And Rush is one of my favorite bands. And um, it's a three three piece band with some incredible musicians. You know, one of my favorite drummers of all times ever. This this crazy nasally weasel voice from Getty Lee, and I just loved it all the time. And they put out like they thought their this this album twenty one twelve like the album just before was like it tanked, and the, and the industry was like we don't know what to do with you. This is, and and they, the guys in the band knew like this, let's just go in the studio one more time and and just go balls to the wall and make the our best last album ever because this is the last one we're all going to go back to like working for our dads in the you know in the mechanic shop. And they made 2112 and it blew up like super big. And in some ways, like they, they kept touring and did a bunch of, in some ways they just, they just never got phased by it. They kept going back into the studio and writing new stuff. And Getty Lee has these great quotes about like, we just were still dissatisfied and we had to go find the better rush. And I'm just listening to that going like, oh my God, Neil Pert, my favorite drummer ever. He's like, at this time, he's like, yeah, I went to go to, I went and took drum lessons from, <laughs> from an old person. <laughs> Just because it's like their job is not to make hits. Their job is to be in, in the studio with one another exploring music together. Do you know what I mean? I love that. That and, 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 and so thinking about it that way, thinking about what your job right now is, Tim, it's not to figure out what you're going to be an expert in. It's to find something that you could be interested enough in to, to actually uh, build something and call, bring it to completion, right? And then, and then maybe do that again and again and again. Um, 
I've got a handful more here, so I'm just going to simplify them down. Uh, number uh, second to last for me is just learn how to finish something. Okay, mm-hmm. get it, get into fizzle for a dollar and take my productivity course and do the AAAC list ep- lesson and then just never live the same again. Just understand those simple things that I get into about how to write a to do item, about clarity, uh, the Vino sort of verb noun object thing, the difference between ambiguity and clarity and how ambiguity just will absolutely crush your spirit and break your soul, you know, and, and, and learn how to finish something and learn how to get to clarity on what this thing actually is. Okay, uh, I'm just going to leave it at that. And then the last one is like <laughs> these like eight like things, but I just grouped them all together because they're all mindset stuff. I'll just read through them. Realize this, that everything is a gamble and there are no right answers. There's this great book I'm reading called Adventures in Screenwriting where um, it's this old wizened you know, uh, screenwriter who, who wrote uh, – um, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, amongst other stuff. And he's talking, his whole first like chunk of the book is about the executives. He's like, you want to know why executives are terrified? Because they are, they're paid to guess which movies at the script level are going to be hits, and they have no clue what it's going to be. These people have been doing this for so many years, and they still have no clue on what's going to be big and what's not. They'll put a ton of money behind a thing that absolutely sinks and put no money behind a thing that becomes a cult classic later on. Uh, and, and he talks about like there's no, there, there is no secret to what gets big and what doesn't. And, and that's the world that you live in when you're in Hollywood making the things. And I think it's the same world that we live in. There's no secret to everything is a gamble. Every, nothing, you cannot be sure, and nobody's going to give you a damn A on your record, report card at the end of this thing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, back to the lottery then, tickets. Yeah, exactly. That lottery tickets talk. Oh, I'll, I'll put that in the, uh, in the, um, in the show notes. That'll be a good one. I like that one. Okay. Then another kind of, uh, uh, thing is everything is uh, everything is a gamble also everything's a compromise you're never you, you can have an idea for the thing that you want in your head and it's not going to come out that way and it will still be it will still be enough for you it can still be fun if you allow it you can still be incredibly uh uh alive in that thing you know if you can if you can bring the wherewithal instead of like being petulant about like it didn't come out the way that i wanted charlie you bit me <laughs> Ouch, Charlie. Charlie. <laughs> you know, uh, it's a compromise. You're, you're going to want to get super good at a thing, and you're not going to get better than everybody else. Like, there's going to be one guy who's, like, way better at you than that. And you're going to have to go, like, so what does that mean about me? Or something. Wait, he's right? way better he's at little, you? Way better than oh, you at that. Oh, man. Yeah, he's better at me. Uh, yeah, there's, Louis C.K. is a better version of me. <laughs> um, another mindset thing is, uh, this is something, I mean, we've gone through, my wife and I, and our little family has gone through so much and one of my little secrets is to try to make it an adventure. This is just like a thing that I say to myself when I'm getting petulant or biological, uh, that, that, you know, when the cortisol is just flooding my veins. The dream here is like, okay, put on a hat and become Indiana Jones and crack the whip and like make this an adventure. Okay, because uh, it's like there's this there's this quote from Yvan Chouinard, uh, Patagonia guy who's like, it's not an adventure till everything goes to shit. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> which I just love. Um, but, but you can make this journey an adventure. You can invest in it and realize that you're becoming and you get to enjoy yourself and your world and figure it out over time. Um, I guess I'll, I'll solidify with this last one. I'll do this last one. I'll, let's skip over some of these. Um, uh, and unfortunately, it's, it's, I should have just ended on that one. But I have to say, like, personality tests can help. <laughs> oh, that's it? Oh, that's it? <laughs> 
Yeah, just like 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 to me, the Enneagram is this personality test that I really, really loved. Strength Finders was okay too. Myers Briggs and the ACT and all this other stuff were just okay. There's a little bit of insight I got from a handful of them, but but the Enneagram is the one that I keep going back to so much so that I haven't even finished my whole chapter yet because it's just too on the nose. It, it it's just too, too like it's just like hands me my on a plate and I go like, oh my god, I am. I, I I thought I was better, <laughs> and they're really nailing me. But it but it, it it helps me to figure out. Okay, so these are the things that motivate me, and that's so true. They gives me these handholds. I didn't have those words before. I thought I was you know your typical sort of achievement, success oriented sort of uh, uh, driven person, and no, no, that's not me at all. Like and and so knowing that was an incredible revelation for me. It's not for everybody, but for me, that that's helped a lot. So the Enneagram and the book to get there is the wisdom of the Enneagram. Um, okay, so, uh, and ultimately, though, it really is just that that mindset stuff about everything is a gamble. Nothing is for sure. Nobody's going to tell you what you get to do. And if you focus on the work stuff, what little pieces of work that have a beginning, middle, and end that you can foresee? Maybe bring in a friend on that thing. Make it an adventure of how do I delight the people who would buy this sort of thing? How can I make it better than it needs to be? And then ship it out into the world. Spend some time marketing it and see what you learn. And then work on another thing. You could either do the same thing and, and, and take it to the next level. Or you can uh, you can just sort of move on to the next thing. And that, that's the beauty of it. And it's terrifying and scary, but this whole thing's a video game anyway. So we're just living someone else's dream. I'm, I'm incepting you. You're incepting us. I'm incepting you. That is one of the things that I was like, I don't, uh, I just didn't say, but like, if you treat this like a video game, uh, if you treat life like a video game, it's kind of getting to that whole, like, you know, uh, who of all the people that you admire, uh, do you think you're most heading towards? It's kind of like treating it like a video game. Okay. So take yourself out of the cortisol and the dopamine and all the biological stress and, and glory and, and mania and, and just treat it like a video game and go like, okay, what would this character do next? It can be, a little easier to make decisions. Love it. So I have this one that I didn't say, so I'm going to go ahead and say it. What? <laughs> no, I'm making fun of Chase. I don't care. You know what? You can stop <laughs> listening if it's too damn long. The rent is too damn high already, so why not, why not just make a too damn long podcast? <laughs> we, really, we really got into the meat for the whole, uh, yeah, you guys. whole hour and ten minutes. That was great. One. That's what preparation yeah. will do for you. That was preparation snap. H. I have been Chase Warman Reed. <laughs> I've been Corbett Lee Barr. I've been Barrett Allen Brooks. Or we'll see you another time. Or we'll see you on another time. So there you have it. Thank you so much, Tim, for your question. You guys know we love hearing from you guys. You can ask your question and we'll answer it on the air. Just go to fizzleshow.co slash ask. Uh, that's also where you can record your own hello and welcome to the Fizzle Show, just like Angela Moore did in the intro to this amazing show. Fizzleshow.co slash 96 is where you're going to find the show notes for this episode, and they're big ones. It's a big show notes, okay? I list out every item on this list uh, with links and more, uh, and, and if you're not on the email list, then get on it, because we already published an article earlier this week that's killer, and you have no idea about it. It literally, you just, you didn't even, you didn't even know it existed. Fizzleshow.co slash 96. You know, our goal here is to help you build the best possible thing that you can, creating a thriving audience along the way. And if you leave us an iTunes review, it can help other entrepreneurs find this show. Here's, here's one from uh, a bloke uh, in Australia. They're real. They know their stuff, 
And they're so funny, it's ridiculous. Their advice is so non-douchebag, common sense, smart, and encouraging that you can't help but feel uplifted. On top of that, they feel like family, like your crew. I love these guys. That's from Azakel in Australia. Thank you so much. That is like so wonderful to hear. You guys can't know how awesome it is to hear from you. So thank you. Thank you so much for saying it. Thank you for listening. Thank you for just putting up with us, let alone enjoying us. So if you've got a few seconds, maybe leave us a review on iTunes and say hi. We check every single one. To Tim and anyone out there confused and worried about what to do next, you can do this. You are doing it. Enjoy yourself. Enjoy your world. and Make someone's life better in small and meaningful ways. Find care. Take care. Serve hard and dig in. Thanks. I'll talk to you next. Fizzle Friday.